Welcome to Millions of Tyrants. I'm your host, John Beadle. The show that asks questions more than it answers them. The show in which we really talk about what it means to be free as a human being in our society, particularly in the West, but also discussion, deconstruction, just simply talking about what are things that are happening in the times and what it means to be a human being. Please join me. Um, here I want to talk to you today about J.R.R. Tolkien versus C.S. Lewis and what their legacies have to do with how we understand literature, but in particular fantasy, um, uh, fantasy novels and, and as it relates to what constitutes like, you know, a good writer. OK, now C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien are often compared to one another, not uh, by mistake, uh, but because they typically have they're most famous for writing books that are pretty much in the same genre, this kind of high fantasy genre of myth making. Now, it's a kind of storytelling that involves sort of the Middle Ages, and they lift that up into like an original kind of storytelling with using motifs in the Middle Ages. Now, they have both of these men also not only wrote, were famous for writing books that are in similar genres, but also are famous for being friends, actual friends. Both men were World War I veterans, um, but J.R. Tolkien and, and both men actually were also scholars um, in, in Oxford. At the time. Now, J.R.R. Tolkien, of course, was a Christian, remained a Christian pretty much his whole life. C.S. Lewis was an atheist, a very reluctant convert, as he liked to say. And J.R.R. Tolkien was directly um, responsible, one of the men directly responsible for C.S. Lewis's conversion to Christianity. Now, J.R.R. Tolkien was a Roman Catholic, and uh, Lewis ended up remaining with the Church of England. And so, as an Anglican, and so both men were in the academy at Oxford. J.R.R. Tolkien was more successful as an academic than C.S. Lewis. And a lot of people don't realize that, okay? C.S. Lewis did not um, get to the level of a full professorship his entire life. He remained in, in, at, the, at the, just right there uh, in the mode, especially in Oxford. Now, when he went to Cambridge uh, for a few years, he was a full don. But um, at the time, he was, of course, not, a, he was not as well-known and not as successful, quote-unquote, successful in the academic world. And also at the time, if you published a, a book that was popular, like C.S. Lewis had done with the Chronicles of Narnia, or even really before that with the Screwtape Letters, you were sort of blacklisted. It was, it was unbecoming of a gentleman to publish such popular fare. Now, what, what makes men so, both men so interesting is I have, I have read, look, I have read the Chronicles of Narnia, and I have read... Um, the uh, Lord of the Rings. Now, I haven't read Return of the King, but I've read the first two, read The Hobbit as well. And I'm going to say which ones I think are better and give my reasons why. But first, I'm going to talk about what I think was really the motivational factor in both men's lives. And that's, that's this, their friendship. And the primary theme in both of their writings is friendship. Now, here, let me explain. When J.R.R. Tolkien had written and, and published The Hobbit, it was an unexpected sensation. When he before he wrote while he was writing it, of course, he was he was a professor, and he remained a professor his whole life pretty much, and and he was grading papers. And as anybody knows, when you grade papers, so let's say you have like for instance, uh there it's drudgery, it's pure drudgery. Okay? Because most undergraduate students don't write well, they don't know how to write. And let's say you have forty students and forty students have turned in three-page papers, you have to grade them all. It's like having a 120-page minimum, 120-page novel that you have to make notes on every single page for. It takes forever. And anybody who's been a teacher knows that it takes forever. 
And as he was writing and grading uh, these papers, a thought occurred to him, and he began to um, pin these words down. There was once a hobbit who lived in a hole in the ground. And therefore, that really kicked off this, this new story that took him years to finish. But when he did, the hobbit became a sensation. So the publishers came, you know, came back to J.R. Tolkien and said, hey, can you give us more? We want to, we want to keep going with this, uh, this energy, right? This momentum. So he says, okay, he begins to write what would eventually become Lord of the Rings. Now at the time, uh, when J.R. Tolkien was writing the Lord of the Rings, it took him a long, many years to complete it. He was also part of a group of men called the Inklings, and the Inklings would get together and read what they were writing. And it was sort of like a, a, a just a, a pub group that got together for the express purpose of just supporting each other in their their mutual in their works, right? And for a long time, Tolkien only had one fan, one person who was pushing him to write and finish The Lord of the Rings, and that was C.S. Lewis. In fact, the legend has it that whenever Tolkien would try to read a, like a finished chapter of Lord of the Rings to the Inklings, men such as Charles Williams, who were there in the room, are famous for saying things like, oh, come on, another freaking, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually, this is, he actually said the F word, he's like, another effing uh, elf story, right? <laughs> they were so tired of hearing about these elves. But C.S. Lewis kept championing him, championing the story, telling him to keep going. And I think it's part of it that speaks to friendship, right? Lewis understood that the role of a friend is to exaggerate the best qualities of your mates. That's what you do. <laughs> you exaggerate their best qualities. Uh, because you want them to see, want them to see them succeed, and so Tolkien goes on to release this novel. It wasn't that popular at first, but then, of course, it became um, probably the the novel of the 20th century, the most famous novel. Tolkien did not return the favor to Lewis. Tolkien was Lewis's friend; he was a faithful friend, but their friendship diminished over the years, and Tolkien never really encouraged, nor did he like Lewis's fiction writings. He thought the screw tape letters was a little trite. He thought the Chronicles of Narnia were were not really like sincere or intellectually honest because he thought that Lewis basically had this fantasy wardrobe and anytime he needed anything from the fantasy realm to support his his agenda, he would just take it out. So you had like talking beavers and knights and you had also Father Christmas in the, in the story. He, he, he thought it was dishonest. He thought it wasn't the most the purest way to write a fantasy novel. Lewis disagreed. Lewis thought what he was doing was simply expanding the imagination and he was writing for kids. But Tolkien had a different idea. His, his understanding was that if you, are, if you are a Christian or somebody who believes in God, then your role as a creator is to be the sub-creator. To be like God is to create. And so the Lord of the Rings takes place in, the, you know, in a time called Middle Earth, and it has its own rules, its own rules of reality. It has its own characters. It has its own kinds of people groups, right? You have elves, you have orcs, which are perverted elves, and you have the men and you have human beings and you have different you have, you know dwarfs and you have hobbits and they have these different kinds of people it's a completely original almost completely an original story lewis's was not and tolkien did not like lewis's writings he did he just simply did not in fact their friendship was not without a measure of humor because 
when C.S. Lewis published uh, the Screwtape Letters, he dedicated it to J.R.R. Tolkien, who did not like the Screwtape Letters. That's called being funny. That's called being hilarious, okay? So what you have here is a really interesting friendship, a dynamic, where they supported one another's work, but one kind of supported the other one in different ways. And one thing that I've learned from reading, for instance, Lord of the Rings, I've learned a lot about friendship. I've I'd never, in my whole reading experience, ever been brought to tears over the way that men relate to other men as friends, or women who are friends with men and 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 as friends, how they relate to one another. I've I've just never been so moved by that topic, by that theme in a story. The bromance is real. Now, whenever J.R.R. Tolkien actually published Lord of the Rings, and he finally did it, it wasn't a smash hit like I said before. But one of the things that C.S. Lewis did was he wrote to Tolkien upon its publishing and said, in a sense, this, these words, Thank you. You have immortalized our friendship in this story. Thank you for what you're, thank you for this triumph. I'm paraphrasing. Now that is a friend. And I think a lot of literature these days lacks that theme, the theme of friendship, the theme of courage and the stress of friendship and the, the, the ability that friends have to cover over one another's mistakes. The, the grace that comes in friendship Whenever a friend confesses something to you and you decide not to share that with the world, to, to hold that between one another so that it may disappear. Friendship. This is, this, this is put on display in the conversation that Boromir has with Aragorn at the end of uh, Fellowship of the Ring. I believe it's at the beginning of the Two Towers. Boromir has betrayed the fellowship. He has betrayed the carrier of the ring. But in a moment of of realization of what he has done after he came under the sway of the ring, the power of the ring, he slays an, an, basically a small army of orcs. So he's dying with an arrow in his chest, and while he's dying, there are bodies of orcs piled up all around him. That's where Aragorn finds him. And he confesses to Aragorn what he has done. And Aragorn looks at him and says, you have triumphed anyway because in the end, you realize what you did and look what you've done. You have made a way for the ring to be carried on by the hobbits all the way to Mordor. And then it says in the, in the text, Tolkien emphasizes how Aragorn decides to keep that secret of that confession to himself because he understands that a friend may be able to put up with a certain amount of nuance that the public will not, that the people will not be able to put up with or to be nuanced in their thoughtfulness or thinking. The greatest triumph of these stories is they're really just about friendship. And I love them. I love, I love The Lord of the Rings for that. Now, which do I like better? Which do I think is a better series of books? I think the answer, honestly, is very clear. I think that The Chronicles of Narnia, while it has a place in my heart that's very special, because I read them when I was younger and then I read them again when I was an adult, even though they hold a special place in my heart, I would have to say that the Lord of the Rings is the greater the greater of the two. The Lord of the Rings does not suffer um, from the same things that the Narnia books suffer from. 
namely that the Narnia books hit the point too much on the nose with Aslan and with, uh, with the themes, the biblical themes that are within the story itself. Too much on the nose, to the point where when you read the Chronicles of Narnia, you're often, do you get back upon your reread of that text versus how much you get back on the first reading. On the first reading of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, one may be enthralled at the way that Lewis carries the story on this mystery of who is Aslan as this, the kids go on this journey to find out who it is. And this Aslan who makes a sacrifice, it's very very similar to the atonement of Christ, in place of another innocent man that carries within itself a kind of magic, a resurrection magic that reverses the curse of death. It's it's incredibly powerful. The problem is, once I understand that, am I repaid upon rereading every time? Well, no, not, not necessarily. Most people who listen to it may go, you know what? I've heard this before. I get it. I don't need to hear it again, right? Whereas with Lord of the Rings, it, the, the themes themselves and the comparisons of biblical truth or wisdom are embedded so deeply, so deep inside the soil of Middle Earth that every time you read it, it repays like almost exponentially in meaning and movement every time you read it. And you can actually return to the story over and over and over again because the characters themselves um, have a sort of a, they have a way of sticking with you. You like the characters. I mean, I'm not afraid to say it. I like the characters in Lord of the Rings more than I like the characters in the Chronicles of Narnia. And I don't mean like, do I like it more than Aslan? Are you saying you like, you know, uh, Aragorn more than more than Jesus? No, no, no. Okay, stop. It's, it's, it's well known at this point that Aragorn is a kind of Christ, but so is Frodo, and so is um, the wizard. Oh my gosh, Gandalf. <laughs> Prophet, priest, and king. That's kind of the idea, right? Okay, now with these two, I think Lord of the Rings is better. I think it is the novel of the 20th century. I think it's one of the, I think it, mainly because it repays rereads. Okay, now, now, C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, amazing men, amazing thinkers, both men, incredible at what they did, and their writings, and I would encourage you to read all of it.